is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. What's up, Project Church? Man, so glad you came to worship with us today for Church Online. I'm continuing our series in the book of Mark as we walk through verse by verse this incredible action-packed gospel. Uh, We've been doing this for the last year and a half now, and it's been such a blessing to me personally, and I know it's been to you, to our church. And uh, we have come now to Mark chapter number nine. So if you have your Bibles, if you're sitting there behind a screen tablet, you can go there, get your notes ready. I believe God is going to speak something to us. And I was thinking about uh, 2020, man. 2020 has been quite the year, I think we all would agree. Uh, and I, I don't say that um, in, a, in just a joking way, although it is sometimes funny to think about all that we've already encountered in uh, just a few months of 2020. But man, I, I believe that 2020 is a year uh, of God doing something. And chapter 9 of the book of Mark, we come to this incredible, most unique passage of Scripture It's seen in three of the four Gospels, and this is the transfiguration of Jesus. And uh, I think it's timely that we would come to this passage of Scripture. Now, to set this up, this is six months before Jesus goes to the cross. So I talked about this a couple weeks back, but essentially, um, Jesus has been ministering um, now for two and a half years. He did one year in Judea, or the southern part of Israel, He did 18 months in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, traveling from town to town, often by boat, ministering, healing, performing miracles. And he just uh, finished really his last miracle in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee, when he healed a blind man. We talked about that a couple weeks back. But now there's just six months left in his earthly ministry. And Jesus has basically decided, he, he goes north to Caesarea Philippi, which is about 26 miles um, from the tip of the Sea of Galilee. And he basically said, okay, I'm going to spend these last six months preparing my disciples, getting them ready for what's, for what's to come, for my death, my resurrection, and then the ministry that they're going to have to take this message to the entire world. And so this is a, a turning point in Mark. It's a, it's a big shift where now it's all about preparation. And I was thinking about that because I believe 2020 is a year that I think God has brought us to the hilltop. And this idea of the transfiguration, um, to to give you the Greek word, so the original word used here in the text is the Greek word metamorpho. And morpho meaning body and meta meaning changed. So essentially... His body is changed. Jesus' body is changed right in front of uh, Peter, James, and John. Just three of the disciples are there. It tells us that his garments become radiant, and it uses a word, a Greek word here also, um, that is used to define the glistening or gleaning of burning brass or gold, burnished grass or gold, a polished steel, or the golden gleam of the sunlight. And so this is the word that's used. So there's this transformation that takes place of Jesus on a hilltop in front of the disciples. And I believe 
that this is a moment, 2020 is a moment, where we've been brought to the hilltop. I believe that this year, a, a year that many of you would say has been hard and painful and difficult and stressful and anxiety-filled and, and it still feels so chaotic, I believe this is a moment where God has brought us to the hilltop and he's doing a metamorpho of us as his people. I believe there is a transformation, a transfiguration taking place of the people of God. This change, this body being changed, this idea is something that I truly believe God is doing right now. And so this message may be one of the most important messages I've ever preached in our church's history. This message is one that you need to listen to fully. Maybe you're like, oh, I've, I've heard enough. No, stick with me. Um, share it with your friends, especially your, your brothers and sisters who are part of Project Church. Because I believe that God wants to show us the metamorpho, the body change, the life change, the heart change, the mind change that he is doing to us in this season. Now, I think it's significant that Jesus brings three of the disciples to the mountaintop, the hillside. He doesn't bring all 12 he brings three. And I just got to be real with you, like God often has to sift the crowd to get to the core. And so if you're listening to this, I know you're probably thinking, well, I'm the core. I hope you are. But I believe there is a sifting, a shifting, a shaking of the church happening right now. And we have the opportunity to either be one of the core or not. To allow God to change us, to transform us, to transfigure us or not. You see, it's all about a willing and open heart vessel that says, God, I'm going to humble myself and say, like, do with me what you want. In fact, I was thinking about it because I think some of us have this mindset that by going to church, like we're doing God a favor. But anyone that understands um, the gospel and the good news we understand that, that church isn't because so we're doing God a favor. Church is a hospital for the broken, and it's us recognizing and humbling ourselves and saying, I'm not so prideful to think that I'm doing God a favor by being here. I'm humble enough to say, I need more of him to change me. You see, the church was meant to be a hospital for the broken, and we've made it a country club for members. And so in this moment, this shifting, this shaking, uh, this hilltop moment that I think 2020 has brought us to, there is a sifting and God is looking for the core. He's, he's right now saying, are you going to be one of the ones that allows yourself to be transfigured, to be changed? Now, don't get me wrong. This text is about Jesus. And I want to do something today. I want to talk about Jesus, if that's all right. I think that there's a lot of churches talking about a lot of other things right now. But uh, last time I checked, Jesus is our message. And that's one of the core values here at Project Church, that Jesus is our message. Actually, it's our number one blueprint, our number one core value. Jesus is our message. He is still in charge of the church. He is still at the forefront of the church. In fact, our website says Senior pastor, Jesus Christ, if you go there um, under our staff page, he's the one leading this church. And so I just want to, I want to encourage you today. I want to challenge you and I want to ask you, 
that you would allow God in this moment, through this message, to let you understand or recognize that this transfiguration was about Jesus. But it's also a moment, I believe in 2020, that Jesus is wanting to transfigure us. He's wanting to change us, to metamorpho to change our body, mind, soul, spirit, top of our head to bottoms of our feet. He's wanting to change us. And if we don't allow him to change us, guess what's going to be what's going to happen? We're going to be left behind. I'm not saying you're not going to heaven. I'm not saying you're going to be uh, cuz the other 9 disciples still went to heaven. I'm not saying Jesus doesn't still love you. But I am saying that I think you're going to miss out on walking out the fullness of the purpose and the plan that God has for his church in this moment in 2020 moving forward. So, this was Jesus' greatest moment of preparation, and he had his crew. And so I just want to encourage you, like, we need a crew. We need people close to us that we bring with us in those most important moments of our life. I want to talk to you today about this transfiguration. And uh, the title of my message is Our Transfiguration Moment, because I truly believe that this is the church's transfiguration moment. This is the moment for us to be transformed and changed so that we can fulfill the plans and the purposes that God has for us on this planet moving forward. So let's read Mark 9. I'm going to start in verse number 2. I'll be reading to verse number 13. And after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, and led them up a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them, metamorpho before them. And his clothes became radiant, intensely white, as no one on earth could bleach them. That's right, there's no Clorox <laughs> that could turn them this white. Come on, somebody. And there appeared to them Elijah and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And a cloud overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son. Listen to him. And suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone with them but Jesus only. And as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead might mean. And they asked him, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come and they did to him whatever they please as it is written of him. Jesus, speak to us from your word. May it change us, transform us from the inside out. May this truly be our transfiguration moment. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So this uh, text, this transfiguration, actually the Eastern and the Western church has a day that they remember and celebrate the transfiguration. And they've actually chosen August 6th as the day 
in which the church remembers the transfiguration. Now, this is significant, um, not because we know it was on August 6th. In fact, we don't know what day it actually was, but we do know that this is the actual day of remembrance. And I wanted to throw that in there because it also happens to be the day of my birth. And uh, it's for no other relevance other than to tell you that's my birthday. And uh, I thought it was interesting that that's the day that the Eastern and Western church celebrates it. Um, also, I love everything golf. So you guys can keep that in mind coming up August 6th. Um, I'm just kidding, but let's move on. Um, so he takes them up to a mountain. And I'm actually going to show you a picture here. It's going to pop up on the screen right now. Um, it's a picture of Mount Hermon. And this is where they believe um, this moment took place. It's the closest mountain to where they were. It says, you know, just a few days after they were at Caesarea Philippi. So six days after, this is the closest mountain. And uh, so we believe that they probably went up on Mount Hermon. Now this is 9,200 feet high and it actually has snow on it all day long. So they didn't, or all year long, they didn't go to the top of this mountain. 9,200 feet, that would be a, quite a hike. Um, snow all over it and you'll see in the picture, you see in the picture that there's snow all over it. But they probably went up pretty high um, to one of the hilltops leading up to the mountain and that's where this moment has happens. It's a, it's a moment where they could have gotten alone and no one else would have seen this. And I think it's significant in this moment when I'm saying this is our transfiguration moment that we say, God, I want to be someone that you bring with you to the mountaintop to be changed forever. Let me tell you, after these three witnessed this, they were never the same. It actually tells us at the end of the text that when Jesus charges them, he says, look, tell no one until I rise from the dead. And they're like, wait, say what? It says they kept the matter to themselves. They keep it in their hearts. And I guarantee you that changed them forever moving forward. So I want to talk to you today about our transfiguration moment. And here's what happens as we look at this text. In our transfiguration moment, I believe there's some things that we have to allow God to do in us in this moment. So we usually talk when God needs us to listen. And so I want you to look at this, this text right here, um, verse number six, or verse number five, sorry. Peter says to Jesus, he says, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. For he did not know what to say, for they were terrified. And then, verse seven, a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved son, listen to him. So I think a lot of us, our prayer lives consist of what we need and what we want. I think for a lot of us, our relationship with God, the extent of it is, God, I need this. God, I need you to touch that. God, touch my wife, touch my family, touch my kids, uh, help my job, help that coworker who I don't really like, um, transfer them. I mean, let them get saved first, Jesus, but then transfer them somewhere else. You know, and we, we pray all these prayers and we go, all right, Jesus, like, man, such a good time with you. Like, I'm out. And we go about our day. And I think that so often we are quick to talk when God needs us to listen. It actually says, and Peter is like a lot of you, like it says that Peter didn't know what to say. And so he just starts talking. <laughs> like I love that it, that it references because he did not know what to say. He already talked. He's like, Jesus, uh, uh, it's good for us to be here. Yeah. Um, how about I build some tents or tabernacles 
for you. Three of them, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. And, and, and then it goes on and says, for he did not know what to say. And I think a lot of us are so quick to talk and we're slow to listen. We don't know what to say, but we, we hate the silence. We hate the stillness. And some of you can relate to this because you can't stand any silence in your life. You fill your life with music, radio, um, talk shows, podcasts, YouTube, television, you know, constant stimulation. We love to talk, but we're so slow to listen. But God wants to tell us something. And I think in this moment, if this is going to be our transfiguration moment, we have to learn to listen. When God spoke, and it says that he actually speaks audibly, I mean, Peter hears the audible voice of God, and God speaks out, and he says out loud to them, this is my beloved son, listen to him. Those are the words that Jesus, or that God uses. What's he saying? He's saying, you need to be quiet, and you need to listen. And I think so many of us are going about our days and we're talking and we're, 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 we're speaking and we're talking and we're speaking we're talking. And in this moment of division, of opinions, we're talking, we're talking, we're talking. And God's saying, will you just stop and listen for a moment? How can we be transfigured or transformed? How can we have a metamorpho happen in our lives if we don't stop and listen to God? And so I just want to challenge you this week, this is some homework for you, that you would get alone with God and you would talk, you have, you have some time to talk, but you also need to listen. Can you imagine if you had a relationship with your spouse, like we really have a relationship with God? One that is, I need this from you, that from you, this from you, I need you to do, hear me in this, bless me here, you know, touch me here, blah, blah, da, 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 and then... I'm, I'm out, peace, great, great connecting. Imagine if that was our relationship with our spouse. No, in a relationship with another person, we listen, we ask questions, we engage, we, we, we welcome interaction and, and response and rebuke and, and challenging and God wants to speak to us, but we're not listening. So I wanna ask you to listen. Verse six, Peter just starts talking. And so I just want to challenge you all out there. Here, here's my challenge to you. If I could say it in, in four words, say less, God bless. All right? Like, like, this is a moment that I think so many of us are saying more. And then we're like, God bless you. Like, no, no. Say less, God bless. Let's just take a moment and let's stop and let's listen to the Lord. I have an eight-year-old who cannot watch a movie, read a book without asking me constant questions. We were watching um, a movie the other day, and I kid you not, he, he asked me 200 questions in this movie. Now, some of you have spouses like this, and I, I keep saying to him, dude, if you would just stop and listen to the movie, the, the questions would be answered. If you would just keep reading the book, the questions are coming, but he just wants to talk. He wants immediate answers, and, and, and I think we're the same way. And so I would challenge you to, to stop, to listen. How can we understand the differences we have with our brothers and sisters in this world if, if we don't stop and listen? We're so quick to talk, and Peter was the same way, but we need to listen. We usually talk when God needs us to listen. Listen, if we're going to be transformed, transfigured, we have to listen. Second, there's a time to work, but there's also 
a time to worship. And so Peter, and Peter is, is that hardcore dude that's always going hard. Um, and he's the first one to respond here per usual. And uh, Peter actually speaks up and he says, um, he says here, he says, Jesus, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Now, I do want to reference this real quick because this is significant, this moment. Some people have asked, you know, why was Moses there and Elijah there? I mean, obviously, God brings them there physically where Peter, James, and John are able to see uh, them. You see, Moses was the lawgiver, and Elijah was the prophet. And so what this moment actually tells us is that it was the fulfillment and telling us that Jesus was the fulfillment of the law and the fulfillment of all the prophecies. This was a moment validating the, the saviorship of Jesus Christ, validating the, the God-man that Jesus was. This was saying he is both God and man. He is law giver and law completer. And he is prophet and prophecy completer. That's who Jesus was. And so we go to verse 7. And the father shows up. The glory of God comes down. And a voice of God. And, and he says, listen, listen. You see, we need to know when to just worship. And we need to know when to work. What did Peter want to do? Peter wanted to work. Because he's like, I'm here. And I'm in this incredible setting. And I don't know what to say. So I need to do something. And I think a lot of us. Always, like, we're doers. And I know y'all out there are doers. Like, you need to give me something to do. I got to do something. I, I, can't, I can't just sit and do nothing. Like, I have to take action. I, which, you, you know, some of you have, have been wrestling with that this week even, these last few weeks. But I think there's a moment to work. But this was a moment that God was saying, no, you just need to worship. You just need to worship in my presence. Worship in what I'm showing you. And I'll be honest with you, it seems like the church has lost its patience. It seems like the church has lost its patience in, in when we can work and when we need to worship. And I think we're going to work before we pray. We're going to work before we worship. And I'll tell you right now, if we don't make prayer our first response, if we don't make worship one of our first responses the work that we do is going to be in vain hear me church the work that you do will be in vain if it is not rooted in the presence and the power of God and there's a lot of people out there trying to work right now and I get it because we're standing up for justice and we're standing against injustice and, and, and it's time to work we got to get to work and that's all I'm seeing on, on social media but Christians you need to make sure before you go to work, you have prayed and you have worshiped. That is where we work most. That is where our warfare takes place the most. And not only that, but I think the church has lost its patience with other people. And this world has lost its patience with other people. But the church has too. And what I'm seeing is that when people don't grow at the pace we think we should, we discard them or accost them. Ooh, somebody is feeling really uncomfortable right now out there. Uh, Caleb, Caleb, I, you shouldn't be saying this. I mean, people need to change. People need to get with the right perspective. Listen, I'm with you. But I also understand that, that people 
And changing people's hearts and spirits and minds is a process. That God is a God of the process. Now, some people are transformed overnight. Some people are changed in a moment. But other people, God touches them, but it takes years to root out the junk and the mess from their life. And I'm guessing all of you still have some stuff in your life that God hasn't rooted out completely. And and I, I think that we need to have the same grace for others that we want them to have for us. And we need to have the same grace for people outside of our inner circle that we want God to have on our lives. And so I just want to challenge the church that we would be patient with people. Listen, I'm going to be real honest with you right now. And some of you are, are going are to not like this. There's this cancel culture happening right now. I just saw an article or a story that there's an actor in a show. Um, and they went back, I mean, to his social media, his Twitter from like eight years ago. And let's be real, like nobody's got anything better to do right now because we're not working. So so they're, they're searching back and they found like he had make, made some like derogatory, borderline racist comments seven years ago. Somebody brought it up and they fired him. Cancel culture. Now, I'm against bigotry. I'm against intolerance. I'm against racism, against all those things. But man, thank God um, I'm not still judged today on the person I was back then. And I think that some of us Christians, we want to judge people for a chapter that they already closed the book on. And and I just got to challenge us in this moment. The problem with the church is that we want people to grow at our pace. And that's not the heart of God. The problem within the church is the distance between your projected image and your actual self. And let's be real, um, I saw a tweet the other day. Somebody said it like, we're supposed to wear masks to church, but that won't be hard because a lot of us have been wearing masks for years. The person I want you to see and the person I actually am are very different. You see, we want to judge people based on who they were or we want to judge people based on who we think they should be instead of saying, I'm going to be patient. I'm going to allow God to work out in them with fear and trembling the change that they need to have. Now, it doesn't mean you don't speak up. It doesn't mean you don't challenge. It doesn't mean you don't speak truth, but you do it in love. And I think the reason we're not doing it in love and the reason that Christians are buying into this cancel culture and we're going back to seven chapters back and we're judging someone by that chapter, I think that the reason we're doing that is because we have not started with worship and prayer. We're just getting ready to work. And I'm telling you, church, if you're just going right to work and you're not bathed in the presence and the power of God, your work will be faulty. Your work will be broken. And your work will not be covered in and coated in the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And here in this moment, Peter wanted to just get to work. And God says to him, stop. Listen. Worship. And actually, in in one of the other Gospels, the account, it says that they fall on their faces at the the sound of the Lord's voice in awe and fear and trembling. You see, it was God. He had to hit them so hard that he made them worship. And maybe right now this message is for somebody out there because God is wanting to challenge you 
that you would go to worship and prayer before you go to work every single day. May you start your day in that way. Third, if we're going to allow this to be our transfiguration moment, we cannot stay when he wants us to go. Peter wants to build tents or tabernacles. And, and I, I love this imagery because I think that God could have been like, yeah, do it. Like, build it. Build the tabernacle. Build the tent. But I think that the, the imagery of this is a reminder for us that so many of us have an encounter with God, but we never want to move on from there. And so we build tabernacles or tents in the places that God did something powerful in our lives, but we can't ever move on from there. You see, another problem I see in the church is we build permanent monuments in temporary places. You see, this, this hilltop moment, this transfiguration um, that took place, uh, it was a moment. It was a temporary place. And God actually says to them, no, you're not going to build anything. You're going to store it in your hearts. Because I, I wonder if Peter and James and John, they would have just kept going back there, waiting for the glory of God to fall again. And, and what God wanted to show them and tell them is like, the glory of God is in you. And you take this moment with you wherever you go. I think a lot of us are caught up in what the church was like, or, or when we were closer to God, or when we had that, you know, revival moment in our life, or when God first touched us, you've been touched. And too many people want to stay where the touch is. They say, I'm not close to God like I used to be. I don't experience God like I used to experience him. I don't hear his voice like I used to hear his voice. Listen to me, church. We get glory so we can give glory. God pours out glory on us in moments. And we sing this song in church. We go from glory to glory to glory. And we get glory and, and, and God you know, pours out glory on us but he gives it to us so we can give it. And I think some of us are wanting to stay on the hill where the transfiguration happened and God's saying, no, I'm transfiguring you so you can take that power and that glory and that transfiguration with you wherever you go. We get glory so we can carry glory and take glory into every space and sphere that we walk into. He designed it that way. He designed it. What he poured into us isn't just for us. It's meant to be shared. What God has poured into you is meant to be shared wherever you go. That's why I cannot implore you enough, challenge you enough, that you be one of those that allow this moment to transfigure you, to change you. Because if you do and the glory falls on you, then you walk out into this world with a different kind of countenance, with a different kind of spirit. You have a different level of glory on you and you carry that glory wherever you go. I need an organ today. Oh my goodness. I'm in this room all by myself. If we had church live, the organ would be going right now. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> Laughing all by myself. Amen and all by myself in here. In the Luke account, he actually charges them, just like in this account, he says, keep this to yourselves. He says that they stored it in their heart. 
Listen to me, church. You've had some glory moments. You've had some hilltop moments, some mountaintop moments. And I want to encourage you that you would store those moments in your heart. But you wouldn't just keep it to yourself. You say, Jesus said, keep it to yourself. But the moment is coming for you to launch it into this world. He said, when I rise again, you will share this with the world. And they did. You see, this transfiguration moment, it changed them as it changed Jesus. And they carried this change with them and they stored it up for a season. And when, when the moment was right, they released that glory into the world and they changed the world forever. Peter, the rock on which God built his church. And so I, wanna, I just want to encourage you because I think that some of you, maybe a glory has been given to you and you've been holding it to yourself. Well, maybe the moment is right. Maybe the transfiguration that you experienced at some part, point in your life, the moment is right for you to share it. Fourth and, and finally, our transfiguration moment, we have to recognize that we may not understand, but we always and we must walk by Faith. Say it with me, church, wherever you are, behind a screen, iPad, say, I walk by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. God is not limited by our understanding. Hear me. God's love doesn't require that he even explain everything to us. So what happens here? They actually come down the mountain. He charges them, hey, don't tell anyone. It says they kept the matter to themselves, questioning what this rising from the dead meant, what it might mean. And they asked him, why did the scribes say that first Elijah must come? And he said to them, Elijah does come first to restore all things. And how is it written of the Son of Man that he should suffer many things and be treated with contempt? But I tell you that Elijah has come, and they did to him whatever they pleased, as it is written of him. So, so Jesus doesn't really give them a clear explanation. He, he speaks to them somewhat vaguely, but he says, store it up in your heart. The moment is coming for you to release it. And I think that some of you are in this moment, like let's be real. You're in this moment, this pandemic, this racial unrest, um, th this divided country that we find ourselves in so often going into another election year, in another election year. And I think a lot of you, maybe you've, you're struggling financially, you've lost your job, maybe you're feeling more fear, more anxiety, more stress than ever before. Like, there's all this stuff happening in 2020. 2020 been cray, 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 crazy. And you're out there and, and, and you're saying, God, I don't understand. I want to tell you, God is not limited by your understanding. And God's love doesn't require that he always explain everything to us. In fact, Jesus is patient with our lack of understanding. I think that some situations in life are just too complex. We can't figure it all out. So what do we do? I mean, Caleb, what do I do in this moment? I don't understand. I don't understand why God's doing this in this world. I don't understand why we'd walk through all this. Uh, how could this all happen like in the span of just a few months? And how could 2020 be like this? I mean, I thought this was going to be our year of victory. I'm wearing it right now. Victory 2020. I mean, Caleb, you declared this over me. You declared this over our church. And, and, and I don't understand. Let me tell you something. What do we do? We carry glory. Wait, what? We carry glory. We remember that the presence and the power of God rests upon us, rests inside of us. 
And we don't have to understand. We don't have to know everything. We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to have complete clarity. We don't have to know what the end you know, result is going to look like. But what we do know is that we carry glory. And so I beg you, church, I implore you, please, in this moment, that you would carry glory. What does glory mean? Glory is the presence of God. And the presence of God, the power of God, is carried with grace and love and humility and mercy and compassion and empathy. And what I see from the church in this moment, in this season, is people are not carrying glory. And and they just want to post their opinions and say, this is right or this is right. And, And I cannot say enough, church, in this moment, what will set us apart is that we carry glory or not. And it is a choice to carry glory because the glory is already inside of you. But you decide and you choose if you're going to release it into this world. I cannot beg you enough, church, in this moment that we as Christians, we would stand with empathy with our brothers and sisters of color. We would stand with compassion with our brothers and sisters of color. We would stand with grace and humility for those that think different than us and maybe don't understand our perspective yet. And they don't think that race, racial issues still exist. And they don't think that, that there's a divide in this country. That we would walk with glory. And that means we walk with love and empathy and grace for everyone, no matter what perspective they have. You see, everything that's happening around us isn't a mistake. And I think that some of you think that like God made a mistake, like he must have messed up. Like, like God must have taken a, a, a a siesta in 2020 like did, did he go to Cabo or you know like where'd he go he's on the beaches of Hawaii like chilling like what's God doing God did not make a mistake he's too wise to make a mistake let me tell you some of you think he's made a mistake but he's working but I want to tell you we could miss this moment and I feel this today because my heart is broken that some of us are missing this moment Some of us are missing this opportunity, this moment, for God to actually transfigure us, to change us, to transform us, to be one of the three on the mountaintop. And we are, some of us are missing this moment. And I want to ask you that you would say, God, show me your glory. Show me what you want me to see. Give me eyes to see how you need me to see. But hear me, church, everybody can't go. I just got to, I got to keep it 100 with you. I got to be real with you. Everybody can't go. Not everyone can go where God wants them to go. He brought three to the mountaintop. And I believe that God is calling us as the church. I believe he's called Project Church to be one of the three. That we would be those that are transfigured in this moment. I believe this is our moment, church. We are on the the midst of what I believe is revival. We are on the cusp of what I believe is a launching for our church. But it is going to take you and me, Project Church, to say, listen, I want to be transfigured. I want to be transformed. I want to be changed. I want my mind to be renewed, my eyes to see differently, my my soul and my spirit to feel something that I've never felt. I want to carry glory with me wherever I go. This is our moment. Don't miss it. I want us to be 
those on the mountaintop with Jesus that are changed, that's stored in their hearts because they see something that no one else has seen. I want to close with this in 2 Peter 1, 16 through 18. He says, for we, verse 16, 2 Peter 1, 16, for we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We saw his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. You see, fast forward. And Peter now is writing to the church and he's telling them, he's like, we didn't make this up. This isn't a clever story just to convince you that we got to witness something powerful. In fact, what we told you about we saw with our own eyes, it was the most incredible thing we've ever seen. And he's reminding the church of it. Why? Because he's telling them, listen, listen to me. God wants you to carry this transfiguration with you, this glory with you wherever you go. We serve a Savior that is real and alive and active and moving in our world. And we think he's taking a break and he wanted to tell us, no, I'm working. And I'm working through you. He works through us. But we have to decide today if we will allow him to transform us, to transfigure us or not. You see, Peter was with him on the mountain. But he was also with them in the garden. He was with them when he was transfigured, but he was also with him in his greatest moment of need when Jesus said to, to Peter, James, and John, the same three that were with him when he was transfigured on the mountain are with him now in the valley, in the garden, when he's about to be crucified. And Jesus tells them, he says, I, I, I'm exceedingly sorrowful in spirit. He said, would you pray with me for an hour? And he goes off and, and he prays. It says that he was so sorrowful or so pained even unto death. And they go with him. Why? Because that same glory that they saw on the mountaintop, they knew that they were still carrying here in the valley. I had a coach in college, and I'll close with this. And uh, his name was Coach Fred. And Coach Fred was um, a, a good, good friend of mine. I was a student, but he wasn't that much older than me. And um, He said to me one day, he was a, an African-American brother, and he said to me one day, he said, Caleb, like, what are you? And I was like, what do you mean, man? Like, what are you talking about? He's like, what are you? And I was like, I, I don't understand. He's like, like, what race are you? And I said, man, I, I'm white. Like, I'm, I'm Caucasian, if you didn't know, like I am. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, Nah, bro. Nah, bro. He said, you got something else in you. You don't play like a white boy. Greatest compliment I've ever gotten in my life. But let me tell you something. What he said rings true for us today. Because I think some of us in this moment 
are shrinking back out of fear. We're shrinking back out of, out of anxiety. We're shrinking back because we think God isn't in control. We're shrinking back because, because maybe we don't know what to do or what to say. Or, or, or maybe we're stepping out, but we're, we're getting a little out of pocket in moments. And I just want to tell you, there's something else in you. That's what he said to me. He said, nah, there's something else in you. And I want to tell you, church, there is something else in you. There is a glory in you. And I believe if we allow this glory, the presence and the power of God, if we say, change me, transform me, I don't want to be the same I was yesterday or last year or the year before or seven years ago. If we allow the glory to change us, we will experience a transfiguration like never before. God wants to transfigure you. He wants to transform you. Why? Because when he does, he can set you up to launch you fully into who you were meant to be as his son or daughter, to who we were meant to be as Project Church. This is our transfiguration moment, church. We're on the mountaintop. The glory is shining around. God is doing something like we've never seen. He's shaking and sifting the church. And we must allow him to change us. Now, you could sit back and stay where you are. And I wouldn't blame you. And I'm not saying you won't go to heaven. You still might. But I do want to tell you, you'll miss out. And I don't want to miss out. I don't want to miss out on what God is doing in this season. I don't want to miss out on who God is turning us into as the church. How he's changing the church. How he's transfiguring and transforming the church because he is preparing us for a season of harvest like we've never seen, and we have to be ready. So I want to pray. I want to pray for you that you would allow this moment to transfigure you, to transform you, to change you. And you need to pray this because I'm praying it every day. But if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you've never given your life to him, I want to pray a prayer with you as well. I want to ask you that you would receive Jesus, the Savior who people saw work miracles. People saw go to the cross. People saw in the tomb. And then people saw raised again to life. Hundreds saw him. And the Bible tells us that all we have to do is confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart, God raised him from the dead, and you will be saved. This is your moment. If you don't know Jesus, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, change me. Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, I don't ever want to be the same. Jesus, I receive your glory. Show me your glory. Bring your glory into my heart, your presence, your power. Jesus, I want to walk with you. Jesus, I want to live for you. Jesus, I want to follow you. Jesus, make me your disciple. I confess my sin, Jesus. I, I, I admit today that I'm broken and I need a savior. So Jesus, heal me. Make me new in your name. Amen. Amen. If you pray that, man, the angels in heaven are rejoicing. We're rejoicing. Click the link below. We'd love to connect with you, help you walk this faith journey out. But for the rest of us, church, if you already know Jesus, this is our moment to be transfigured. I want you right now to lift your voices in your rooms, in your living rooms, in your kitchens, wherever you're watching, in your cars. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm going to have you repeat a prayer because I believe God wants to transform something in us today so we don't miss this moment. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I confess that I haven't seen your glory. Jesus, today I confess that I haven't fully seen your glory. I ask you today to transform me, to change me, 
to transfigure me, to change my eyes, give me spiritual eyes to see, to change my mind, renew my mind, that I may think the way you want me to think, to change my heart, that my heart may love and give grace and empathy and compassion the way you want me to give those things. Jesus, may I not miss this moment and may I leave from this message changed, transformed, transfigured, and ready for the purpose and the harvest that you have for the church to reap. God, I want to be used. I want to be used. I'm believing that the future is greater than the past. I'm believing that what you have in store for me is greater than what, ha than what happened to me back then. God, I lay down my pain. I lay down my hurt. I lay down my bitterness. I lay down any wrong mentality and I take up the mind of Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Church, we love you. We're praying for you. We're believing that this is a transforming, transfiguring moment for our church, getting us ready for the harvest and the future that God has for us. We're praying for you. We love you. God bless you. Have an amazing week. We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.